Yeah, and funny fact about Kirk, I only just discovered during this researching for this episode that that means church. And I know that sounds really obvious, but I just heard everything being referred to as Kirk and it just really confused me because that's just like not a sound that we make in America. (laughs) I think it actually has Dutch roots. Really? Apparently. Well, for those of you who didn't know, Kirk means church. back with another episode of Him Partial, the podcast where we talk all things church music. I'm Cara Devereaux. And I'm Monet Funke. And today we're going to be talking about the hymn, I Heard the Voice of Jesus Say. We're looking at divisions in Scottish church history. We'll see how Bonner failed to bring hymns to his own church. And as usual, we're going to take a look at the lyrics and breakdown and see where we find these themes in scripture. All that and more if you stay tuned. Of course, but before we do jump in, if you're new here, don't forget you can subscribe to our podcast on YouTube and on Podbean and wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on social media at Himpartial or visit our website, himpartial.com, where you can sign up for our completely free, completely awesome newsletter. That's right. So this week we're looking at an oldie but goodie written by a Scottish hero of the Reformed Church, Mr. Horatius Bonner. Cara, tell me, do you have any initial thoughts on this song before we dig into the history? It's not one I'm super familiar with. We've sung it a few times, and all I kind of really know about it is that it has quite a sort of like serious tune. Yeah, yeah. Um, This actually for me goes in the bucket of songs that I only sang since moving to this country which we should maybe do like an easter egg hunt or something our friends our <laughs> listeners should go through and see of the songs we've talked about which ones were only um discovered moving here um but I really like this song because it has that kind of sort of haunting start at the beginning of each verse and it really makes it fun to sing But before we get into the music and all that, it's important, I feel, to speak a bit about the man behind the lyrics. In fact, we're going to take a little look into church history, which is scary for me because we're both good friends with legitimate church historians, some of which listen to this podcast. So I'm sure they'll check my homework and let me know how I've done. So the author of this hymn, as I mentioned, is Horatius Bonner. He's, so, he's sort of a big deal, especially here in Scotland. He was born and bred in Edinburgh, the capital city. <laughs> and he was born in 1808. He grew up at a very interesting time for the church in Scotland, which we'll get into in about two seconds. He was a minister in a long line of ministers who all served in the Church of Scotland, which remains, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, the established church or the state church even to this day? Pretty much. If someone says, I go to the Kirk, they mean the parish church for the Church of Scotland. Normally. Yeah, and funny fact about Kirk, I only just discovered during this researching for this episode that that means church. And I know that sounds really obvious, but I just heard everything being referred to as Kirk and it just really confused me because that's just like not a sound that we make in America. (laughs) I think it actually has Dutch roots. 
Really? Apparently. Well, for those of you who didn't know, Kirk means church here in Scotland. Um, so, yeah, Church of Scotland was the and is the state church, though uh, in terms of political power, their arm has been shortened to the point of being pretty much irrelevant nowadays. But in the 19th century, that wasn't the case. So during this time, um, during his time as a minister, um, there was a major schism in the Church of Scotland of which uh, he was a part of. And this was led actually by Bonner's mentor, Thomas Chalmers. Now, without getting too deeply into the history, because that's like, I'm going to stay in shallow waters. Um, the, the, the schism was basically the result of rising tensions within the Church of Scotland in regards to the freedom of congregations to choose their own minister. So at that time, basically, the state church would just assign a minister to a parish and the congregation had no say. And this is significant because the schism also reflected uh, the two major parties within the Church of Scotland, which was the moderate party and the evangelical party. And the moderate party was like basically aligned to like dead orthodoxy, as opposed to the evangelical party who were more concerned with conversion and the spiritual vitality of the church. So Chalmers and Bonar uh, and several other notable Scottish ministers were part of the evangelical group within the Church of Scotland that split off to form the Free Church of Scotland. So this is still a major denomination here in Scotland even to this day, though Spoiler alert, there are a few more schisms in their history. <laughs> Just a few. <laughs> Just a few. Uh, but that's a conversation for another time, for sure. You can look up a flowchart of all the divides within the Church of Scotland and Free Church. And it is really interesting, but you'll also see kind of how complicated it is. Yeah. But just Google, Google it. It's yeah. interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a church history of Scotland, um, a book on church history of Scotland would be called like Schisms and Divisions or something like that because it's just a lot, it's a lot of it. Um, but this is really interesting to me, this particular split, because I obviously don't come from a place where there's a state church. In fact, like the whole point of America was that the state could not enforce anything upon your local church. So to see some concerns along this line in, in Scottish church history, I think is just really interesting to me. But Cara, what do you think about this idea of like a state, the state placing a minister in your church for you? So part of the objection was not just that the state were doing it. It was that whoever owned the land that, do you remember, um, in the Top Lady episode about Rock of Ages um, where he yes. turned down the living because it had been bought for him. Mm -hmm. I think I might be wrong. I will definitely be corrected <laughs> <laughs> if I am. But I think some of the landowners were able to influence who got, mm -hmm. who got the parish um, mm -hmm. through less than upright means. Um, yeah. I don't know how I feel about church and state being that close um, I do not belong to the state church and I have some very yeah. strong feelings about the Church of Scotland. So, yeah. yeah. 
I think it's interesting because I actually did consult with, with one of our historian friends who will totally cringe if I got anything wrong just now. Don't but say his name and then I won't, he doesn't I have won't. to be embarrassed. He won't be embarrassed. <laughs> but I do think what was interesting about this, the, the party divide within the Church of Scotland, the evangelicals and the moderate, is that the 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 party that was most affected or the congregations I should say that were aligned to those parties that were most affected by these kind of intruder ministers were the evangelicals right because if they cared about and they did the preaching of the gospel and the salvation of sinners and then here came this moderate aligned or possibly worse um minister who just kind of like opened up his kind of you know, uh, whatever prayer book and just read, you know, it didn't really care about those, the vitality of the church. Those churches were affected. Imagine, imagine having like a powerhouse preacher who passes away and then you get like some dud who's not concerned and they had no way to object and say, look, what are you doing? You're in the pulpit just completely butchering your responsibilities, you know? This is partly why... I have issues with Presbyterian church governance mm. is because you're ruled by people who aren't necessarily part of your church. It's mm. just kind of like you get allocated stuff and you get told. Um, and the, if you, if you want to kind of object, then it's a long and complicated process. Um, whereas yeah. congregational rule, although it has its own difficulties and pitfalls, it is much easier to not end up in a situation like that where you, you've got a an unbeliever even in the pulpit and there's not much you can really do about it. Yeah, yeah. So I think the takeaway here is that Bonner wasn't just a part of a rebellious group, but that um, the concerns of the Free Church of Scotland at that time um, weren't just freedom to choose their pastors, but history would show that it was marked by a revival in evangelism and a spiritual awakening within the Scottish church. There was a seriousness found in Bonner's ministry, his writing, and eventually his hymns that remains a great encouragement to the Scottish church and the global church even today. So I thought that was just an interesting bit of history that does matter when it comes to the man behind the hymns. So a fun related fact to do with this specific split was that it happened in 1834. And if you go to the theological seminary in Edinburgh, which used to be known as the Free Kirk College, the Free Church College, um, a lot of their old books, they will stamp um, kind of like the college stamp on it mm-hmm. in their library. And they do it usually on page 18 and page 34. 18, I think it was 1843, but that's really oh, funny. Or maybe it that's, is 1843. Yeah, 1843. I only randomly know that date because of how recently I looked this up. <laughs> but I'm no, not that's numbers. so funny. I want to go. I want to go look at the book now. I want to go in their library and find a book. <laughs> um, so just a little bit more on 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 Bonner that I find really fascinating. So he was a talented poet and hymn writer. His hymns were published in several hymnals over his lifetime and um, are being reprinted in modern hymn books today. Obviously, we sing this song at our church. And in the 1840s, uh, 
he had he had even himself produced a hymn book, uh, but had not used hymns in his own congregation apart from reading them aloud. And he didn't insist that his church adopt them because for almost all of his time pastoring his congregation, they sang psalms only. Now, we know from our exclusive psalmody episode that there was and is even to this day protest against the use of hymns in Sunday service. And if you haven't yet watched these episodes, go check them out. Episodes five and six of the Hymn Partial podcast, um, and that will give you a more in-depth background. But towards the end of Bonner's ministry in his church, he suggested that his church use the free church hymnal. Now, from my understanding, it wasn't settled that all free churches had to sing from a Psalter, but they had the freedom to sing um, like accepted hymns within their services as they saw fit. So they kind of had that freedom from church to church or from Kirk to Kirk. Um, And Bonner even wrote an argument against exclusive psalmody in their churches like monthly news pages, which I guess was a thing, I, I don't know. Um, And eventually, um, they did vote to use hymns occasionally, but there was still mad division within his church over this. And the sad part is that folks were blaming Bonner for this, and it it was really public, actually. And I don't think that division was ever healed within his church, and this was towards the end of his ministry, which I just find really sad. Yeah, it would be a shame to have like a really long ministry like his and one that successful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then to kind of finish on that note. Yeah. It's, it's really sad. And, and because this song is so loved and, and, and several of his other hymns, it's a bit, it kind of feels like, you know, what were we talking about? Like artists who don't get famous until after they're, passed away it kind of feels like well he was such a talented hymn writer and his church like was like nah it's not the psalms so we'll pass (laughs) so yeah it's just a little bit sad to me any other thoughts on on that um not really i mean we covered a lot of the psalm stuff in that episode um Mm -hmm. so i kind of get where they're coming from but like you say it's a shame yeah this church is so divided yeah so now for the song itself now this song is really beautiful in in my opinion i think bonner lays out the comforting presence of god in the christian life it's just three short verses um and their encouragements i'll i'll say before i read the lyrics so In verse one, the encouragement is that God provides rest for the weary. Amen. (laughs) Uh, So verse one reads, I heard the voice of Jesus say, come unto me and rest. Lay down, O weary one, lay down your head upon my breast. I came to Jesus as I was, weary and worn and sad. I found him I found in him a resting place and he has made me glad. So I just love that. It's so beautiful. It's like such great poetic language about our, like this, this kind of safe haven in this restful place that we have in Jesus. 
Um, and it, I don't know, it, it makes me think, well, where do we find this in scripture? Well, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus says, <laughs> literally, come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Um, or in the ESV, that was the NIV, in the ESV it says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so it's straight, it's straight from the mouth of Jesus, you know, this, this promise that we could come to him all beat up and find a resting place for, uh, for ourselves. So what do you think about that first verse? I love it. It's funny because sometimes I quote it like like if I'm having like a really rough time and people are like, oh, how are you? And I'm just like weary and worn and sad. But like <laughs> in the in the back of my mind, it's like but that hymns in my mind, like but I came mm-hmm. to Jesus and mm-hmm. found my resting place. Yeah, yeah. And if and I'm not going to sing it, but if those listening have never, ever heard this song before, there's kind of a split in tone in the music. So when um, it's describing our state, like I, I heard the voice of Jesus say, come unto me and rest, lay down, O Larry, one. It's kind of like in a minor key and it's kind of dark and it's kind of haunting. But when it comes to the, ver- the, verse, the part of the verse, I came to Jesus as I was, it's like a triumphant change. Like the key kind of like turns into like these happy chords and it's really like, but you know, I came to Jesus and then he has made me glad. Like, it's just, it's like really beautiful how the verses are, are structured along with the music um, that is accompanying it. So verse two, verse two, verse two. We are encouraged in this verse to know that God gives life. So the verse goes like this. I heard the voice of Jesus say, behold, I freely give. The living water, sorry, behold, I freely give the living water, thirsty one, stoop down and drink and live. I came to Jesus and I drank of that life-giving stream. My thirst was quenched, my soul revived, and now I live in him. Amen. Amen. So we do hear this language again from scripture, Um, particularly I'm thinking of the woman in the, at the well that Jesus meets. Um, so Cara, do you mind reading that for us just now? It's John 4, 13 and 14. I'd be delighted. So Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst, be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think really this verse and and even um, in the passage where Jesus is speaking to the woman at the well, it really speaks of kind of like the satisfaction that we find in Christ. Um, you know, in the in the song, he says, "I, I came and I drank of that life giving stream. My thirst was quenched, my soul revived." You think like. Yeah, that's like all of your thirst is gone. You're like, yeah, I'm done with being thirsty. And Jesus says, like, you know, whoever comes to me, like, they're never going to be thirsty again. Like, you know, um, and that 
And that is such a wonderful promise that we could find like such complete satisfaction in God, you know, him giving us life. We're not looking at dead things for satisfaction anymore. We're satisfied in him, you know. Any thoughts on that verse? It's actually making me think of one time when I was in Indonesia and it was a really hot day and we were working and I'd forgot my water bottle. And like, when I say it was a hot day, I'm talking like hot, not like Scottish hot, but like 40 degrees in the heat, <laughs> in the in the shade. Proper hot. Yeah, like like heat stroke hot. Um, mm-hmm. And I hadn't brought my water bottle and we went back at lunchtime and I literally just sat there and my friend was beside me and I had a little cup and he had this jug of water and he like he was like, oh, you look thirsty. So he poured me like a thing and I just downed it like in one <laughs> swallow and he just kept pouring and pouring and pouring until I drank like this whole jug. Mm-hmm. Um, and the feeling of like, oh, I'm so satisfied now. Mm-hmm. Like the thirst is gone. This is so wonderful. It was so refreshing. Mm-hmm. And I think like if that was just you know, worldly water and Mm -hmm. thirst because of the weather, how much more satisfying is it to be your thirst be quenched in Christ? Yes. Yeah, it it is true. It kind of makes a foolish case for uh, when we do forget in like what we have in Christ, when we do forget his complete... um, satisfying life-giving um communion that we have with him when we get distracted by the world it just makes us seem foolish like you know um so yeah I really I really like that verse and I and I love that it's not double meaning it's there it's in the text that we even read from John that you know he gives life and that life is satisfying so I love that verse now the third verse (laughs) The third verse, uh, the encouragement we get from the third verse is um, how God is this dark world's light. So the verse goes like this. I heard the voice of Jesus say, I am this dark world's light. Look unto me, your morn shall rise and all your days be bright. I looked to Jesus and I found in him my star, my sun, and in that light of life I walk till traveling days are done. So there's there's a lot of places we could go in terms of finding this uh, these encouragements from scripture, but I'm going to go to a very famous verse in John uh, where Jesus says in John 8:12, "I am the light of the world." <laughs> Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So clearly that's just lifted and shifted straight from scripture. Um, But you also have other themes in there about, you know, the Lord being the lamp to your path, you know, and, and, and I just find that really encouraging to me, um, the way that this kind of simple song really speaks to how God comforts us and strengthens us. And I think this was particularly significant for a guy. I know we didn't really get into Bonner's autobiography or anything or biography, um, but he experienced a lot of tragedies, both in his church life and in his personal life. And yet he could write this hymn where he knows that the voice of Jesus offers these direct comforts um, to the Christian. 
So, yeah. What do you think of that, Kara? Um, I think it's a beautiful song. And it's one that, like, because we don't sing it a lot, I often forget about it. And mm. then randomly remember. And I'm like, oh, hey, yeah, I really like that song. <laughs> I, I really like that line at the end. It says, in this light of life, I'll walk till traveling days are done. Because it's like, yeah, we're weary and we're thirsty and it's a dark world. Mm. And I think the song addresses that, but it gives us hope that we're not at the end yet. Like, Yeah, absolutely. I, I talked to someone recently about Pilgrim's Progress. They had some controversial thoughts about it. I won't share it. I'll put them on blast. But it just reminded me that, you know, this story, which is an allegory, is so encouraging to many Christians because we all realize that we're on this pilgrimage. But there is a destination, you know? And what an encouragement to know that the entire time that the the Lord is with us, lighting our path, you know, he is with us. Um, And I think if you start to be too worldly, you think that the destination is here. Like, oh, I can't wait to buy a house or retire or travel all the world or, you know, it's just life is a, is a, is a tick list of things that you really want to accomplish. And then when you accomplish those things, then you're done. Like then you could, then you could die. But like the doneness of the Christian life is not here. Um, And the comfort that the Lord gives us and that we hear re-emphasized in this song is that we have a travel guide. (laughs) I mean, that maybe is a little too lighthearted of who Christ really is in this whole thing, but we're not just wandering and like aimlessly, you know, he's, he's got us covered. He's with us, strengthening us, giving us, um, encouragement, satisfying us even amidst trials and tragedies. So yeah, I was thinking that as you're talking, I was thinking like sometimes we're like, oh yeah, we're pilgrims, we're not home yet. And we kind of forget that, you know, talks about traveling days. Those are not aimless mm-hmm. wanderings, just kind of, you know, we're not just like, oh, I'll get to the next pool of water so I can have a drink. And then mm-hmm. after that, I'll decide where I'm going to wander next. Mm-hmm. Like there's a path and it's yep. lit and we're to follow it and mm-hmm. there's a destination at the end of it it's not just you know walking for the sake of walking yeah <laughs> for our health yeah uh, i mean it's good for you but <laughs> it is it is well amen amen that just about wraps up another episode of him partial if you liked what you heard today please share this episode share it with your friends post it on your facebook share it on twitter all that fun stuff and be sure to follow us on social media at him partial or you could go to our website himpartial.com to sign up for our newsletter which is free and awesome i don't know if we've mentioned that already but until next time we hope the lord will bless you and keep you. Bye. Bye.